0: Uh, okay, this is um, session nine of uh, Learn to Discern, and uh, we're getting ready to shift gears. Uh, it's not that we won't uh, talk about some, um, some of the things we've been talking about the last few weeks, but um, as we started off uh, this course, uh, this class, with um, saying that um, the Word of God uh, the Word of God is the authority. The Word of God is the base. Uh, it's, uh, it's our basis for everything. And with good reason, with good reason, but we need to uh, keep referencing uh, the Word of God all along the way, even as we're trying to discern between truth, and lie. Um, Before we get uh, rolling, uh, we're going to be looking at a couple of different passages, starting with uh, Proverbs 8, if you want to look there. We started off with Proverbs 6 at the beginning of the class. We're going to look at Proverbs 8 and a couple of other passages right after that because we need to keep digging in the Word of God. Now, I don't know if you counted or not, but up to this point, we have looked at, referred to, um, anchored ourselves in 150 passages of scripture. Okay, we're going into the ninth session. We have uh, visited more than 150 scriptures as an anchor point to what we're talking about. Now, we, uh, we're going to look at, at uh, Proverbs 8, but before we do, um, we're just going to ask Ricky if he would be willing to uh, start us off in prayer. All right. Let us pray. Our Father and our God in heaven, we thank you for this day. Father, we thank you for the blessings in life that you continue to give. And Father, we are grateful for the privilege to be assembled together in this place. And we ask, of oh God, that our hearts will be open as you speak to us through your word. Grant, Father, that above all it would be our desire to do the things that are pleasing and well in Your sight. May this time draw us closer to You and closer to one another. That in all things Your name would be praised. And Father, above all, we thank You for Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior, in whose name we do pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. You know how thankful I am for Ricky and Deanna Cook. I am very, very. Very thankful. Uh, they have brought so much uh, to this congregation and have blessed us in so many ways. And uh, it is a joy to get to work together. Um, we we actually have some fun um, <laughs> here and there. We do have fun, um, and it's great working with the elders and the deacons here. Um, you know we've been through some interesting things the last uh, nine years or so, but um, God has blessed this congregation mightily, mightily. And uh, our shepherds have really, really tried to do the right thing at every turn. And, uh, and that's tough. Their role is tough. It's, it, it is not easy to be shepherding a congregation like this. So keep praying for our, our wonderful shepherds. Keep praying for all the ministers, including Manuel and Israel and, um, and uh, future ministers. Oh, there's Manuel right now. Keep praying for Manuel. <laughs> Very thankful for Manuel and Andrea and their kiddos. It's a joy. Okay, Proverbs... Chapter six told us what God hates, what the God of love hates, what he detests. Now, in Proverbs eight, it's as if wisdom is calling out to all of us. Listen as wisdom calls out. Hear as understanding raises her voice. On the hilltop along the road, she takes her stand at the crossroads. Wisdom takes her stand at the crossroads. That means it's out there somewhere in the middle of what's going on. Wisdom takes its stand. Wisdom is not hiding somewhere, silent. By the gates at the entrance to the town, on the road leading in, she cries aloud, I call to you, to all of you, I raise my voice to all people. You simple people use good judgment. You foolish people show some understanding. Listen to me, for I have important things to tell you. Wisdom does. Everything I say is right. This is the wisdom of God. Everything I say is right, for I speak the truth and detest every kind of deception. Now, hold on to that. This is the word of God. Hold on to that. Because God would like everybody to get some wisdom. (laughs) He'd like everybody to get wisdom. That's why this is in here. And there is clarity though even though he he wants everybody to get wisdom, there's clarity, he's saying that out of this kind of wisdom, there is a right and a wrong. What God says is right, what the, the wisdom of God brings is right, and everything else is wrong. The world hates that, Satan hates that. God is the source of all good. And talking about wisdom, uh, I speak the truth and detest every kind of deception. Now, he goes on to say some other things here uh, in chapter 8. And I want to encourage you, keep, keep reading all the Proverbs. I mean, all the Proverbs is useful in terms of getting wisdom and understanding. It's the whole point of Solomon's writing this. Um, if it's hard for you momentarily to think about things that might need to change in you, then think about your kids or about the next generation. (laughs) Um, There are things that have crept into our thinking that are deception. They're connected to deception. There are some things that have crept in. And I know it makes people uncomfortable when we get really, really close to any of those things, or when we shine a really bright light on just how evil some of the things that we have been conditioned to in our society, uh, how evil some of those things are. I know that it's not comfortable, okay? Um, (laughs) And it's not exactly where I would prefer to go uh, all the time. Um, but it's it's uh, it's part of the reality, and we heard in chapter six of Proverbs that God uh, hates seven things; he detests them for a reason: uh, haughty eyes, uh, disdain. It's disdain. It's rebellion. It's a whole set of things uh, moving away from God. Um, <clears throat> A lying tongue, hands that kill, this is 616, Proverbs 616, if you want to note it again. Uh, Hands that kill the innocent, and he's not just talking about war there. Uh, You know, there's been all kinds of murder and massacre going on in the world, even the, the last four years. The last four years, do you know how many people call themselves Christians have been massacred, have been murdered, and their children, innocent people, even in Nigeria? You know what people are saying in Nigeria right now? Boko Haram says that every Christian in Nigeria will be dead. That's what they say. They're gonna annihilate all Christians in Nigeria. Sorry to have to say it, that's what they're saying. God detests some of these things because they destroy. They're straight from the destroyer. You can't destroy something and think that you're not, doing, you're, you're not serving Satan, the destroyer, somehow. So we gotta get clear about what this deception thing is. Uh, a heart that plots evil, trying to get back at somebody, whatever, Hands that kill the innocent, hearts that plot evil, feet that race to do wrong. People are trying to do dumb, crazy things. A false witness who pours out lies, people lying all the time. God hates that. A person who sows discord in a family. A person who sows discord, period. Conflict, trying to create conflict, stir up conflict for no reason. God hates that. And yet, you know, in our society, it happens all the time. We're used to it. You get desensitized. God hates it. Don't be thinking it's it's okay with God. It's not okay with God. So part of the problem is we get deceived because we kind of get desensitized about some things. Um... Let's just take a quick look at this. Hebrews 5.14 says something interesting. Right in the middle of this passage, it's saying, the mature who by constant use trained themselves to distinguish, to distinguish good from evil. This is what Proverbs is about. All of what Jesus and the apostles were talking about has something to do with this. When James says to be praying for wisdom, he actually says, here's what's pure, what comes from above, and all these other things are corrupted. All these things, all these other things are corrupted. What comes from the Father of lights, the Father who is the light, what comes from him is good. If it doesn't come from him, it's not good. And again, human beings have been conditioned to not quite want that. You accept the mix. The world is a mix. It's a terrible mix of evil and good. It's all sloshed together. And sometimes it seems like the evil is overtaking the good. But, not according to God. And God tells us through the Apostle Paul, you know what? You need to hate that which is evil, hate the evil, and cling to that which is good. It's part of this process. You know how Christians are gonna mature? They're going to mature by being able to clearly identify what is good and clinging to it with notable success. And they'll be able to know what is evil And hate it. And stay away from it. And not let it come in to their own thinking. Their own way of living. Now I'm saying part of this because. um, And I'm maybe jumping the gun. But next year we're doing a class about the holy life. And you can't even have a discussion about the holy life. That's supposed to be in Christ Jesus. Until you start learning some discernment. You have to be able to discern pretty actively in order to become holy, like Jesus. So that's the point of some of this, too. There's a whole set of things that we're, we're going to try to do the next year or so. Um, for us to keep, continue to grow spiritually, that's, that's the whole point. Become more like Jesus. Jesus was able to do this. The people who follow Jesus should get better and better at doing this, distinguishing between good and evil. Jesus' example, uh, in that same chapter, talking about Jesus' example, uh, the wording is used, learned obedience, for the Son of God, which I always thought was interesting. From what he suffered, that he learned obedience. But the wording also, in some uh, translations, uh, in that same paragraph, is through reverent submission. So part of how discernment discernment happens and how holiness comes is from you and I looking at Jesus' reverent submission. His example to submit to the Father in all things and not go his own way. Not just think the way he wanted to and say what he wanted to but to, to really have reverent Awe and submission actively to the Father. That's how holiness happens. That's how holiness happens. But this process of constant use, you, you're using the word of God, the words of Jesus, the words of his hand-chosen apostles carried along by the Holy Spirit of God. You're using those words of God as the basis for everything you do, everything you say. Now, I had an example from Sterling uh, this week. We we're sitting talking, right, Sterling? Uh, Wednesday, and he, he has a situation that's kind of tough. Do you mind me saying this? <laughs> he has a situation that's kind of tough in the house where he lives. It's, it's actually run by uh, the Orthodox Church uh, uh, nearby, and Uh, So there's actually an Orthodox priest who lives there. And everybody who is there is supposed, you know, they're just supposedly helping everybody and letting people who need a place to live live there. But uh, basically everybody else besides Sterling calls this fellow father when he walks around the place. And Sterling has been given a really hard time by all the other residents that he does not call him father. And, and he, told, he told the people, uh, you know, the, the Bible doesn't say that. I, I, the Bible says the opposite. I can't call him father. And he, we're, we're talking about the Matthew 29 passage where Jesus actually says it very, very overtly. You know, call no one father on the earth. So, you know, are you gonna live by that or not? It's it's a tough thing for, for Sterling because he's living in that place. He's had the courage to fend off all these people over and over saying, no, the Bible doesn't say that. Jesus Christ, the one who saves the world, said just the opposite of that. People can get upset, even the priests can get upset. But what does Jesus say? You gotta base what you're saying, what you're doing on the words so of Jesus. I really appreciate your courage, brother. Be ready to back him up if some silly thing happens, okay? Because that's that's just nonsense. Yeah, Brian. Yes. So his courage is an on the Oh yeah. Even they won't say it. Uh huh. They're causing them to say, hey, look at this. Right. That's a great point, and actually this is the thing that happens when Christians speak the truth in love. You know, he wasn't getting all tough on them. He was just saying, the Bible doesn't say that. You and I need to say that more. Where we're standing, where we're going, with the people we know, we actually need to say, hold on a second, I know that's popular, <laughs> but that's not what God says. Stick with the truth, man. You want the truth, right? You want the truth. Some people don't want the truth. But you want a good life, man, you better be seeking the truth. You want a good life, you better be seeking wisdom, wisdom from above, from the one who actually put you here. So all these things tie together. They're very important. Jesus' example is central, right? Who he is is central. His character is central. So sometimes you and I mess up when we're not having this reverent submission to the Father every day. Really, your own rebellious, bells, rebelliousness pops up, right? I mean, there are certain things you don't wanna hear, you don't like, you know, maybe even out of the Word of God, but you, you and I need to start really reassessing uh, what, we're, what we're doing, how we're operating, based on the Word of God and on Jesus' example. Now, I just want to note this. Some people don't even like this passage, but this is Jesus in John five, and he's making a point to the the spiritual leaders, the religious leaders of that time. They're not really spiritual leaders. Um, And he, he tells them straight on, you diligently study the scriptures because you think that by them you possess eternal life. Now that gives you insight into what was going on with Nicodemus when he comes to see Jesus in John three at nighttime. Nicodemus thought, he knew the scriptures upside down, sideways, just like Saul of Tarsus, but he didn't know a bunch of stuff. And he he was there with Jesus, but he, he was just getting to know Jesus. And Jesus says, you know, you know, the scriptures, these scriptures testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. I know you do not have the love of God in your hearts. So here's some people, and I'm just putting this out here, here's some people who have knowledge of the scripture, but when God himself comes, and uses that scripture, they don't recognize it. Now that's a discernment issue, okay? So you have a lot of religious leaders, Jewish leaders who missed the boat because they knew the scriptures, but they were not wise, they did not have spiritual discernment, they couldn't even tell that Jesus was the Messiah. And they took what he was saying as blasphemy and as insult and as other negative things and wanted to do away with him. Yes, Bob. That is a fact. But we well, still, why? Why? You know, uh, that is a fact that it didn't recognize me. Right. Um, that didn't have the spiritual dissonance. Right. How long would it take to tell you your theory? <laughs> I love this brother, by the way. We were talking yesterday. He, he's always thinking. It's been 2,000 years, and we know the scriptures today, and I know within myself that there are a few things where you have a life and a life so that we will not be looking like the Pharisees. Right. And, that, and that's the point. That's the point. The point that I'm making simply is that, that we need to be careful to make sure that we get discernment with our knowledge of the scriptures. Um, and, and that we have the, the love of God in us. <laughs> you know, that first commandment's getting fulfilled. We, we love God wholeheartedly enough to submit to Him when He says something. It's a matter of love. And you can talk about faith, you can talk about trust, you can talk about loyalty, but God talks about it in terms of love. Love me with all of who you are. That's why I'm asking. Okay, a couple more things. Um, I'm just asking the question, don't get upset with me. How deceived are you? Now, most of us don't like to even think for a moment that we might be even a little bit deceived because we kind of want to be right. At least most of the time. Uh, but there's this little thing that I just want to call your attention to in the New Testament where, um, like I said, there's so many scriptures about this, it's just it's wild. In the New Testament, we see these scriptures. Yeah, Um, the apostles warned us many times not to be deceived. So it is possible for us to be deceived, number one. You want the truth? You want the truth about yourself? It is possible for you to be deceived. There you go. There's the truth. Now some people might not like that either, but it's possible. Um sin seizing the opportunity afforded by uh, the commandment, uh, this is Paul talking in Romans 7, eleven, deceived me. Paul, Paul is explaining some stuff. Sin seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, which was, you know, strict, stern, clear. Uh Every time you and I sin, guess what precedes it? The big D? Deception. Deception. Amen. Every time we mess up, every time we sin, there is some kind of deception happening in our minds. Now, if you look back, the first time that that, uh, this happened... There there are tons of other passages, by the way. 1 Corinthians 6 9. You want to write these down? 1 Corinthians 6 9. Do not be deceived. Galatians 6 7. Do not be deceived. 1 Timothy 2 14. Uh, Adam was not the one deceived. Uh, Paul's pointing out details here that some people, again, may not like. It's the truth. Second Timothy three thirteen, uh, evil doers and imposters, pretenders will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. That's where we're at today. That's where we're at today. Titus three three, you are foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved. By all kinds of passions and pleasure, living in malice and envy, people you had malice toward other people, being hated and hating one another. That's Titus three three. What's going on right now? People hating each other. There, God hates that, <laughs> and it's a part of the deception that you think that's that's what you. you you think that it's actually good as a human being to have malice and envy? You know, to be harsh with other people? To, uh, you know, to, to, to go ahead and, and, and really, uh, yeah, have, have hatred, entertain hatred in your mind for other human beings. It's, it's not a good thing. It backfires on you every time. Uh, it's part of the deception. Uh, James 1.16, uh, don't be deceived. Um, And it started back in Genesis 3.13 when Eve says, the serpent deceived me. That's the way it all started. Deception. She was deceived and she sinned. That's the way it works. Now, I just wanted to point these things out kind of a a matter of mechanics, a matter of uh, course here. They all are connected. Um, there's a whole set of things I, I, I've got to make sure that we, we come back to. Um, but I just want to mention, here are some scriptures. I, I, we don't have time to get into all this. And, and uh, actually, this is especially for uh, females. Sorry about that especially for females. Look at these scriptures and ask yourself if you can accept them outright as they are. Um, Because it's the truth of God, but what has happened is, there's been such social change over the centuries that people reading these things now can't even see them accurately, clearly, anymore. And they start thinking negative things about God because of what is said in these passages. Um, Now, I'll give you a clue. It has to do with that passage I just read uh, where the Apostle Paul Uh, 1 Timothy 2.14 says Adam was not the one deceived, it was the woman who was deceived and became a sinner. That's what the Word of God says. Can you and I accept the Word of God as it is without taking on a bunch of assumptions that are in our social context right now? Is it possible? based on the fact that God's character is good. He knows exactly what needs to happen. Um, And in particular, when you read 316 in Genesis, um, for some of the women, it may throw you off. But it's the kind of thing that is a test. It's a test of whether or not God gets to be God. Uh, <laughs> now, you know that there's a, there are a lot of women who hate the Apostle Paul. You know that, right? They, they don't even know him, but they hate him. And there are some women uh, who hate God because of a construct that has happened in the last century and a half, uh, in particular, it started in the pagan world earlier on, but uh, you have a construct that makes uh, some of these passages very difficult to swallow. But I want to challenge you because if you can't accept certain things in the Word of God, it, it becomes problematic. And you have to rely on the character of God, that it is good. He is just. He's the only one who's just. Human beings reading the Bible who second guess God all the time like, well, that's awful. He shouldn't have done that. Why did you do that? Why did you do that? Why did all those people have to get killed? So on and so on and so on. God is perfectly just. He knows exactly what needs to happen when. And there's no way you and I are going to be able to second guess God uh, in any useful way. My belief mm-hmm. that gives me some water that to, to, to compel my action is what saves me. So we've got to get back to you know major and the majors and minor and minors and majoring on belief mm-hmm. and, and and you know the understanding. He's let that go to the you know it will, it will come over time. Yes, well, that, and that's one of the things that Proverbs is talking about. He's telling his son to get understanding early on. Um, yes. Mm-hmm. To bypass the fact that I don't understand everything mm-hmm. that God is doing, you yeah. mm-hmm. so know God's ways of doing right. things. Right, And so I'm going to believe God because He's true and faithful. That understanding, right. Um, and then say I'm going to get baptized, even though it makes no sense. It's the most stupid thing in the world, and say that that's saves. Me. Well, yeah. Then we need to teach a little bit more, uh, because it's the most. It's the most awesome. Meaningful thing ever. Uh, is Betty still here? Betty Balaba? Did she go back to the UK? Betty Balaba was baptized Wednesday night. Angela Balaba's sister baptized into Christ Wednesday night. And she understood clearly the meaning of baptism in, in every way. Um, okay, let me just say a couple other things here. Um, We already read something about putting on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Why put on the armor of God? Why put the belt around you? So you can stand, you have a good core. The truth, the truth. The full armor of God. So you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. That's why. Because the devil's scheming constantly. He's conspiring against God constantly. And he's using anybody, anywhere, to do it. As he pleases. Unless they're aware. Unless they're alert. The way the apostles teach. First uh, Peter 5.8 Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. You know, this sounds like something out of a movie. But really, he's trying to sneak up on you. And he's trying to rip you to shreds. You know how many Christians this has happened to? Starting with the ones who got blamed for what Nero did. They got ripped to shreds. Satan deceives people all over the place. He's conspiring nonstop. And it's always destructive. If he sneaks up on you, if he gets you to think a certain way, to do some things, to look the other way, uh, you, you end up in a place not only where you're weaker, but you may get eaten alive, according to the Word of God. Resist him standing firm in the faith like you were saying the god of all grace will himself restore you and make you strong firm and steadfast that's what the apostle peter says god himself will step in you stand up you resist the devil you resist him you're aware you're alert You know he's trying to trick you into some stuff. You know that some of the stuff going on in the world is total nonsense. You use the word of God to stand against him. Don't let him sneak up on you. Resist him, standing firm in the faith. The God of all grace will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. We'll stop right there. The word of God... It's powerful because God is powerful. As Ricky says, prayer is powerful because God is powerful. You and I need to use every weapon. We need to be much more alert than we have been in the past. And we need to really understand and apply the Word of God in every direction, accept it completely in our own thinking, in our own living, so that it can do its work. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for all that you have done for us to bring us out of the slavery of sin, the slavery of spiritual tyranny, Uh, totalitarianism, Father. Satan is the ultimate terrorist. He's the ultimate totalitarian dictator. He is the destroyer, the liar, the father of lies, the deceiver, the great deceiver. And Father, we, need your help every day strengthen us by your word by your spirit strengthen us give us clarity in our thinking and in our study so that we can apply your words put your words into practice exactly the way Jesus Christ commanded us to in Luke 640 father keep us strong help us to follow him closely help us to become more like him and learn from him in reverent submission to you every single day we're on this earth. And I pray this in the name of Jesus the Christ. Amen.